name. Well, I wonder tonight if we could turn to the Psalm 124 in the Bible. And we're going to read from the first verse of the chapter. We're looking at the Psalms of Degrees or the Psalms of Ascent. And we've come to Psalm 124. And it says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick, when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts. Now you can see that this is a collective psalm. We've said that these are psalms of ascent, that they were repeated by the children of Israel as they made up their way to Jerusalem in the times of the Feast of Pentecost or of Tabernacles or the, uh, f- the Feasts of the Old Testament Scriptures. And you can see the way that there is that um, uh, collective nature to the psalm. It says, Now Israel... Now, now may Israel say. So this is the people of God together and they're singing together and they're coming uh, to the place where there is danger and they are looking for a solution to the danger that they face. Way back in 1582 in Edinburgh, there was an imprisoned minister by the name of John Dury and he was released from prison. He was a preacher, a minister, He was a a man of God, and he was put in prison because of the um, opposition of the authorities against the gospel. But when he came out of the prison, he was welcomed by his people, and the number was several thousand people that came to meet him, and they began to sing the Psalm 124 that we sang earlier in the service. Now Israel may say, and that truly, if that the Lord had not our cause maintained, if that the Lord had not our rights sustained when cruel men rose up in wrath to make of us their prayer, uh, their prey. And one of the chief prosecutors or persecutors said that he was more alarmed by that spectacle of the people of God singing than anything else that he had seen in Scotland. And that was saying something in those days. Alfred Edersheim, the commentator, once noticed that the psalm here contains sweet doctrine concerning past, present, and future. The Lord was on our side, that's past, and then the snare is broken, that's present, and then uh, our help is in the name of the Lord, and that continues on uh, into the future. So this is a psalm of deliverance for past, present, and future and how we need deliverance in these days. And if we don't need it today, we'll certainly need it in the future. So there are four things about deliverance that we want to see in this psalm this evening. And first of all, I want you to see 
the desire of the enemy. Look at verses 1 to 3 of the psalm. It says in verses 1 to 3, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. And you will see the images that the psalmist is bringing here, depicting uh, a very real danger. He's under attack, and it's overwhelming attack. He speaks there about the overwhelming flood. He speaks about there in the verse uh, 6, about those that want to make them a prey to their teeth. Or if you look at the end in verse 7, he speaks about those that want to trap God's people and put them in the snare of the fowler. Now, this psalm is labeled a psalm of David, and we don't know exactly what time in David's life it's referring to. There were many times of danger for uh, David in, when Saul was after him, and then uh, when he was with the Philistines, also when he was going up against Goliath and so on. And we think of the many times of danger in the rebellion when Absalom rebelled against him. And we don't know what the time was, but we know that here he was, and he was facing fierce, fierce enemies. And we recognize that there are many enemies that are still coming against the people of God. The key to understanding the battle that we're in is found in Genesis 3 and 15, in the Proto-Evangelica, and it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that's the Lord speaking to the devil. And there is the pronouncing of this uh, curse on the serpent, and there's a permanent enmity, a permanent antipathy, between the devil and God's people. And that comes out from time to time. It comes out constantly indeed. And it may be where we are seeing that uh, antipathy and that uh, desire of the devil to cause problems, to cause turmoil. We can see it even in society. Our society is one that is becoming more riven with uh, with um, division that has ever been before. You think of many young people and they've been caught up on the globalist agenda. There's a new morality and there is that um, split between those that hold still to something of a scriptural morality and the new morality. And in America in particular, there is a very real division that has taken place in the land and there's an undercurrent of division. And that is very clearly seen. And it is, again, the devil at his work. He is against peace. He wants to bring turmoil. But not only in the land, but in our own hearts, in our own lives. He wants us to conform to the new anti-God morality. He wants to shut the mouths of open-air preachers. He wants to put... Um, religion into the home place and it's uh, just a private thing that you can't now bring into the schools you can't bring into the open air you can't bring out it's uh, got to be something that's held in secret 
And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels and principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And according to these scriptures, we are in a big, multifaceted spiritual battle. And we recognize that there are fierce enemies against us. And not only do we see the reality of the enemy, but I want you to see the ferocity of the enemy. You see the pictures here. He speaks there of the flood overwhelming us in verse 4. He speaks about, in verse 4, he speaks about the stream going over his soul, the proud waters. And then he speaks there about being given as a prey to the teeth of the enemy. Here's the picture here of one who, uh, the cruel teeth. And this is not a battle that's going to be fought by the Marcus's Queensbury rules or by the Geneva Convention. This, no, this is a no-holds-barred battle. The devil's not going to fight uh, fair. He's going to fight d- dirty. And you can see that even down through the history of the church, how God's people have been maligned, how they have been misrepresented. You think about the uh, Roman Empire in the days of Nero when God's people were blamed for the uh, fire that took place in Rome. And the devil does not fight uh, fair in any way. Look at the capability of the enemy as well. Not only his ferocity, but his capability. He is depicted here as having power. There's the power of the waters, the power of the teeth, the power of the trap or the snare. And we should never underestimate the enemy that comes against us. And there is a capability And there is a power that we need to stand against. We need to be aware of the wiles of the devil. But not only do I want you to see the desire of the wicked here, but look at the defense of the redeemed. Look again at the verse, verse 1 there. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us. And you'll notice the repetition of the phrase there, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. If it hadn't been for the Lord, they would have perished. Without the Lord, they weren't going to be able to stand. That's really what he is saying here. And he's really inviting a reply from the people here. He is really sort of stating this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And he's wanting us to consider what it would be if the Lord was not on our side, if the Lord was not with us. And you know, when you think of it, what it would be if the Lord was not with us, if the Lord had abandoned us, then we think of the many blessings that God showers down upon us day by day. We think of the blessings of salvation. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in you, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. We think of what Galatians 6 and 3 says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, 
he deceiveth himself. And if you think you can navigate life successfully and life uh, with blessing without the Lord, then you need to think again. You think of the old song or the hymn, Without Him, I Could not Do Nothing. Without Him, I'd surely feel. Without Him, I would be drifting like a ship without a seal. And remember that God is the defender of His people. As Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And we rejoice today in the wonderful blessings of God that he has given to his people. We think of the words in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of God? And he goes on and he lists all of the things. Shall famine or nakedness or peril or sword, persecution or distress, none of these things pluck us out of the master's hand. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be troubles. But we thank God that no matter what the troubles are, we're in the hand of the master. We're under his wings. And we can say that under his wings, I am safely abiding. So we see the desire of the enemy and and we see the defense of the redeemed. But look at the deliverance of the helpless. Now the psalm here moves from what might have happened to what actually did happen. And we see how God did defend his people. And he actually does deliver from danger. And you look at how there is deliverance from overwhelming dangers. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. And if uh, the Lord had not been with Israel, uh, then they would have been overwhelmed. But of course, the reminder there is of what happened when the children of Israel came out of the Uh, the bondage in Egypt. And you remember how that God caused uh, Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. God sent the plagues. But then you remember how they came to the banks of the Red Sea. And we think of how they were at Pihahiroth, entangled in the land, and Pharaoh, God had hardened his, uh, his heart, and Pharaoh was now following them. And they were trapped, and there was no way to go. And we find that God opened the way in the Red Sea. And you think of the towering waters that were above them. And we think of how they went through the towering waters of the Red Sea. And then, as the uh, Egyptians thought to follow them, God overwhelmed them with the waters of the sea says in Exodus 14, verses 21 to 23, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. 
But God brought them through the overwhelming flood. And it's the same today. Thank God today he gives the victory. Even when it seems there's no way out. And when the path is an overwhelming path, God brings us through. It is a deliverance from an overwhelming danger. It's also deliverance from an ongoing danger. You'll notice that God speaks about the danger in different ways here, as we've pointed out already. First, there's the overwhelming flood. Then there's the prey. There's the teeth of the enemy that are gnashing against and want to devour them. And then there's the snare that the enemy wants to take us by. And these are different forms of the attack. And no doubt these different forms of attack take place at different times. And it reminds us that there is an ongoing attack. There is ongoing danger. We're never really out of danger. Sometimes the danger uh, abates a little bit, but my, it comes back again. And again, we're reminded of that in the book of Judges. And you remember how that God raised up judges for his people. He raised up Othniel in his day, deliver them. And then Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And once again, they were put into bondage. And then God, they cried unto the Lord. And the Lord raised up Ehud. And then they departed. And then they cried to the Lord. And God then sent uh, uh, Shamgar. And Shamgar slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. And then you think about Samson and Gideon and all of the rest. But it was an ongoing danger. There were different. There was the, the Moabites. There was the Philistines. There were all sorts of different people that came at different times. Different dangers for different ages. But it was an ongoing danger. And you know we can never let down our guard. Because there is always the danger. Sometimes when we think that we're at ease. That's just the time when the devil will attack. It was an ongoing danger. And then it was potentially an overpowering danger. You think of the overwhelming flood there, the uh, danger of the snares and all the rest of it. And the psalmist admits at the start of the psalm, that if, if the Lord, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick with their when their wrath was kindled, but, uh, 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 kindled against us. So these were over, potentially overpowering situations. We think of Hezekiah in his day when the Assyrians came against him. And you remember how that the Assyrians sent up Sennacherib, the messenger, in order to tell them to surrender. And he went to the gate or to the walls of Jerusalem and began to call out to them and say, there's no point in you trusting in Hezekiah, your king. There's no point in you trusting in your gods because we have overcome the gods of so many nations. It says in Second Kings 19, verses 35 to 36, And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote the camp of the Assyrians, and hundred fourscore and five thousand 
And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. So about with all their boasting, victory belonged to the Lord. And it seemed to be an overpowering situation. These Assyrians had overrun city after city and nation after nation. There was none that was able to stand against them. And yet God gave the victory. Again, you think of the days of Elisha the prophet. Do you remember the time when, again, the king of Assyria set um, the army against Elisha? And uh, Elisha's servants said, Master, what will we do? And you remember how Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes. And when the, the uh, servant's eyes were opened, he saw the host of God surrounding them. And this is still the same God, the God of almightiness, the Jehovah El Shaddai. He is the same God who looks after us today. And God is the great delivering God. But there's something else that I want you to see, and that's the deference to the Lord. Look at verses 6 to 8. He says, Blessed be the Lord, who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And we are to praise the Lord. That last verse is something of a favorite of John Calvin's. And it was his practice to quote that verse at the start of worship. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And really Calvin was um, uh, underlining the fact that our worship, uh, really at the end of the day, our worship is not really of ourselves. It's God. In ourselves, we would not worship. In ourselves, we would want to glorify self. It's the Lord's grace and mercy that's operating in our lives and in our hearts that enables us and gives us the desire to worship him. And really what he was wanting to do was to remind the people of that. And our help is in the name of the Lord of hosts. And as we come today, he says, Blessed be the Lord, the Lord who is mighty, the Lord who helps. And we praise him for his rescue. He has rescued us from the teeth of the oppressor. He has delivered us from his violence. When things were desperate, we think of the people, how they danced in the streets after World War II, and they were glad that the war was over. And you know, they had a deliverance, and we too can rejoice in the deliverances that God has given us. We are to give praise and glory to God. Not only do we praise God for our rescue, but we praise God for our release. He brings us out of the traps. He delivers us from the snares that the devil has set for us along the way. And we thank God that we're brought out and delivered from those places where the devil would seek to trap us. But we come with thanksgiving and we come with praise to our God. We lift up our thanks because we have a delivering God. 
We lift up our thanks today because even though there's dangers along the pathway of life, that there is one who is there to bring us through and to bring us out and to bring us over. And may we look to him tonight. Thank God that we have a delivering God. Last time, Psalm 123, the psalmist was in trouble. But here again, he recognizes his trust is in the Lord. And may we learn to trust him with everything and with all of our trials and tribulations along the pathway of life. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer. And let's seek the help of God as we come into his presence again tonight. And let's pray for God's uh, mercy to be poured out upon us. We need God to uh, meet with us. Pray for the meetings on the Lord's Day. Pray for the Sunday school as it has started. Pray that God will... Uh, bring you uh, folks in and uh, pray for the meetings as they begin to start again, that we might see God's uh, uh, direction upon all of these things and that we might see souls saved. Pray for the, or the harvest coming up very swiftly too. Pray for God to step in there and that we might see God uh, bless in our harvest thanksgiving services. So let's just unite together at the throne of grace and prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we come to thee tonight and we thank thee that thou art a delivering God. We thank thee for the one who has uh, the victory. We're glad, our God, that we can say that our help cometh from the Lord. And as we look to thee tonight, we come with praise and thanksgiving and adoration in our hearts, and we can say that great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. We thank thee that God is still on his throne tonight. We thank thee for the one who has done exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we pray that thou wouldst help us as we come to pray tonight. Help us, O God, as we seek thy face. We think of these requests that we have mentioned. We pray for thee meetings on the Lord's Day, and we pray for the Sunday school. We pray for the uh, children's meeting, the junior youth, the youth fellowship, the Bible class, and for all of the meetings in the incoming days, that we may see God step in in mighty power and pour out of thy blessing upon us. Our Father, without thee we can do nothing. We recognize that. We recognize it deeply. But our help cometh from the Lord, which hath made heaven and earth. And so, Lord, bless our coming together tonight. We pray that thou wouldst pour out that spirit of supplication upon us. Help us to pray. Help us to call upon the name of the Lord. Help us to see God step in in this day. Remember our community. Remember those around about us, those that are perishing in their sin, those that are going down to a lost, undone eternity. We pray that thou wouldst uh, be pleased to speak to their hearts, bring the unsaved in unto the sound of the word of God. We pray that we might see many brought 
from the king, the um, darkness of, of the devil and brought into the uh, uh, light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Be with us tonight. Bless us as we seek thy face. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.